any of you having a tough day today? Any tough dayers? Uh, liars. Um, uh, I've had tough days. You've had tough days. Uh, and when your uh, tough days are stringed together, you're in what I would call a tough season. Um, every night when you're in a tough season, you go to bed, uh, you know you're going to wake up and you're still going to be riding the struggle bus. So what have been the tough seasons in your life? What have those been? Uh, for me and Jenna, I would say we've had these two persistent uh, struggles that I, I would maybe not call a tough season, but just call winter. Uh, we've experienced uh, that twice in our marriage. We've been married almost 16 years. Uh, and the first happened right when we moved back to Lexington. We had gone uh, to UK, UK for undergrad. We had moved away for graduate school for four plus years. Uh, and when we came back, we were so excited. I mean, we'd been living in this blissful poverty in grad school, but coming back, we were back with friends. And uh, we were starting new jobs. We were first-time homeowners. And, uh, and Jenna was pregnant with Eden, our first child. Uh, but when you lay all those things on top of one another, when you stack it up, it really did lead to an incredibly stressful season uh, in our lives. And what makes it worse, what makes it more challenging is that we felt guilty for complaining about something when it was really just a bunch of good things that God has put in our laps. Those were really dark days that turned into dark weeks and dark months and perhaps our darkest year. We had another uh, second really hard, tough season in our marriage, and it happened around the loss of friendship. It's really painful. Uh, hung around like a, a rain cloud for us. You know, the loss and the, and the grief just continued to mount. And there were lots of days where I just thought, I just can't go on another day. But probably the most difficult part of both those seasons for us was that it felt like God wasn't listening. Here we are day after day crying out to God. And by crying, I mean literal tears. By crying out, I mean uh, with our voices at a loud decibel. We're crying out to God and he seemed to be ignoring us. Maybe even we thought he could be dead. Have you been there? Your life's falling apart and God's nowhere to be found. At some level, I think that this is all of us at the moment. We're living in a winter, even though it's the dead of summer. Well, first off, there's the pandemic. Uh, we're four months in, almost to the day, and it looks like there are many months to come. People are getting sick. People are dying. People have lost their jobs. People have lost their incomes. And so now we live with this low-level anxiety of getting sick or getting someone else sick. We're isolated, therefore we're lonely. We're all tired because we've changed every single one of our routines. And that's just the pandemic. Then you've got the racial injustice taking place. It's been taking place for 400 years. And coming to grips with that means an enormous amount of sadness, anger, and even despair that nothing's ever going to really change. That if it took 400 years to get us this far, maybe it'll take us 400 years to get out. So what do we do? What do we do as God's people? Perhaps more importantly, how should we feel as God's people? Well, that's what the Psalms are really good for. 
The Psalms give us an emotional roadmap about how to feel about different life experiences and then how to sift those feelings through a God-centered framework. And that's what Psalm 77, our psalm for today, what it does is that it addresses those of us who find ourselves in a season of despair, a tough season. So let me read the first nine verses for us. Um, if you had, you know, there are no Bibles in the pew. Uh, if I had to guess, less than five of you brought your Bibles in a book form. Uh, but all of you brought your Bibles in an electronic form. So get those out, but put, put, put them on airplane mode for the next 13 or 14 minutes. Uh, and read this together. We'll, we'll have it on the screen too. Psalm 77, first nine verses. I cry aloud to God, aloud to God, and he will hear me. In the day of my trouble, I seek the Lord. In the night, my hand is stretched out without wearying. My soul refuses to be comforted. When I remember God, I moan. Who's got the courage to say that? When I meditate, my spirit faints. You, meaning God, you hold my eyelids open. I'm so troubled that I cannot speak. I considered the days of old, the years long ago. I said, let me remember my song in the night. Let me meditate in my heart. Then my spirit made a diligent search. Will the Lord spurn forever and never again be favorable? Has his steadfast love forever ceased? Are his promises at an end for all time? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his compassion? You can just feel it, can't you? I mean, those first three verses, the psalmist is mad as fire at God. He's praying with great persistence, but the trouble isn't coming to an end for him. And so eventually, he expresses his frustration because God has not met his expectations. That's when he says, when I meditate, my spirit faints. When I remember God, I moan. Then in verses 4 to 9, the psalmist uses his personal experience in order to build his theology. Based on his personal experience, he comes to conclusions about who God is. And so the psalmist says that he's found no favor, no love, no hope, no grace, and no compassion in God. Therefore, God must be angry Therefore, God has rejected him. And the psalmist is doing here what we all do, and we look at our circumstances, we interpret them, and we make meaning about who God is and who we are. And so when you're in a season of suffering, of suffering that's prolonged especially, you begin to come to conclusions about God that may not be true. See, when we are in pain, we're using a magnifying glass to see the world. And the only thing inside of our magnifying glass is our pain, is our point of pain. In fact, it's kind of like if you were to break your big toe. Now, if you broke your big toe, it would really hurt. I've never broken my big toe. Uh, But if you did break your big toe, it would really hurt. You would be in a boot. You wouldn't be able to walk right for several weeks, but it's just your toe. You may even say when you break your toe that you're going to die. You may cry out in pain, I'm going to die. But that's not true. You could be in perfectly good health, 
all your uh, main systems are, are working, your, your, your major uh, organs are all fully functional. If you went to a physical, your doctors say you are perfectly healthy, except you have a broken toe, but you feel like you're going to die. See, the same thing happens when we're going through suffering. We can't think about anything else but our pain. Our magnifying glass is completely zoned in. But what we need to do when we have the magnifying glass on our pain is that we need to put our magnifying glass down and we need to pick up a wide-angle lens. We need to be able to capture our painful reality and then put it into a wider context. And that's what happens in verse 10. The psalmist says in verse 10, Then I said, I will appeal to this, to the years, years in the past, the years of the right hand of the Most High. Now in verse 10, you see it. The psalmist is using his memory. And this is the second time the psalmist has used his memory. The first time was in verse 6. But in verse 6, it didn't do any good. (laughs) No change came about for the psalmist because he used his memory. But now in verse 10, something does change. So what's the difference between verse 6 and verse 10? Both are really opportunities to remember the Lord, and one worked and one didn't. Well, I think what it teaches us is that there's no formula here. There's nothing automatic. We don't know how many days, weeks, months, or even years are between verse 6, his first attempt at activating hope by using his memory, and verse 10. But here's what memory does. Memory goes to some time in the past to remember God's promises and God's deeds. See, God's promises are his guarantee of future grace and God's deeds are his objective evidence of past grace. So if you want to live in the present, in the present moment, in your pain, and you want to access grace, you've got to go forwards and backwards. You go backwards to see God's deeds, and you go forwards to imagine what God's promises could play out to be. And both those, God's promises and God's deeds, are more reliable sources for coming to correct conclusions about God than your circumstances. In verses 11 to 20, that's what happens with the psalmist. He pulls down God's promises. He pulls down God's deeds. Let's read it, verse 11. I'll remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. Your way, O God, is holy. What God is great like our God. You are the God who works wonders. You have made known your might among the peoples. You with your arm redeemed your people, the children of Jacob and Joseph. When the waters saw you, O God, when the waters saw you, they were afraid. Indeed, the deep trembled. The clouds poured out water. The skies gave forth thunder. Your arrows flashed on every side. The crash of your thunder was in the whirlwind. Your lightnings lighted up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your way was through the sea, your path through the great waters. Yet your footprints were unseen. You led your people like a flock. By the hand of Moses and Aaron. How different those ten verses are to the first nine verses, aren't they? 
I mean, just in verses 1 to 7 that we read earlier, you would find I, me, or my in 17 verses. Or in 7 verses found 17 times. And if you've got a lot of I, me, and my in your life, you will be just as miserable as this psalmist was in Psalm 77. But if you will, in the midst of your pain, when you're only focused on I, me, my, if you will put down your magnifying glass and you'll pick up a wide-angle lens, you'll have a very different vocabulary like we see here in verses 14 to 20. See, in verses 14 to 20, there aren't 17 instances of I, me, my. There are 17, the exact same number of references to God. See, what the wide-angle lens does is that it puts your pain in perspective because now God's deeds and God's promises are in view. And maybe that's what you need to do today. Can you locate your pain? What is your magnifying glass looking at? Where in your life does it seem like God has fallen silent and what would it look like for you to get a wide angle lens what would you see now alongside of your pain well if you look at Psalm 77 what Psalm 77 the the psalmist there what he sees in his wide angle lens is he sees the exodus that's the moment in the past that's the deed from God's past that he's drawing down from You see it in verse 19 where it says, uh, your way was through the sea, meaning the Red Sea. Your path through the great waters, remember, God parted them. And so the psalmist is really saying, God went through the waters first. God led them through the desert just like a shepherd leads his sheep. And that's what God was doing all throughout the desert before they got the promised land. He's remembering they're no longer slaves. He's remembering that they're free. He's remembering that God won their salvation. He remembers that God was powerful, powerful enough to split the sea. That God loved them enough because he heard their prayers for rescue, for deliverance from Egypt. And isn't that what we all need in the, in the middle of our pain? We've got to know that God is powerful and that God loves us. So as Christians, should we too... Look to the parting of the Red Sea. That should be in our wide-angle lens. Of course. But we've got a lot more in our wide-angle lens than the psalmist did in Psalm 77. We have Jesus. Sure, the psalmist could have picked up on some messianic promises, but we have Jesus himself. And we hear that Jesus prayed with loud cries and tears, just like the psalmist did. We see that in Hebrews chapter 5. We see that Jesus is in great pain, especially in the week of his passion. He Talk about a tough season. Just in that week, the string of tough days, he experiences great relational pain because everyone who he cares about has abandoned him. He has great emotional pain as he's in the Garden of Gethsemane and he's in, in, in such distress that he sweats blood. He has great physical pain as he endures the spirit and the lashings and the crucifixion. Oh, but spiritual pain. In verses 7 to 9 here, the psalmist just feels rejected when in reality he wasn't. But Jesus could pray verses 7 to 9 and it'd be true, it'd be a reality. 
Remember Jesus from the cross, he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Meaning God had rejected him. And the father had rejected him because he was angry at Jesus because Jesus had taken the sins of his people upon himself. He had become the innocent lamb who was slain. His blood had to be spilt. And that's what you see when you get your wide-angle lens out. You see the God of the universe who loved you so much that he gave his beloved son for you. Now I know your pain is real. Minus two. And during those two seasons I mentioned earlier, I just don't, I, as I look back on them, I don't know how Jen and I made it. But what I can say is that at just the right time, God would allow us to see the bigger picture. He'd allow us to see something bigger than just our pain. And that's what made all the difference. I knew all along he was going to pull us through. I knew he would do it because he's the good shepherd who gave his life for the sheep. Let's pray. Father, you do lead us like a flock. Lord, you say in Psalm 23 that you lead us beside still water, but you also lead us through the valley of the shadow of death. And Lord, I pray for those of us in here, we need to be as honest. We need not be ashamed of saying honest prayers like we heard in verses 1 to 9. But Lord, I pray that you would also give us the grace to zoom out and see something more than just our pain uh, that you attend to with great care. We pray these things in your name. Amen.